Alrighty, everyone, welcome back. Another beautiful week to be alive, and I'm glad you are taking the time from your morning, afternoon, or evening to tune into the Rare Petro Podcast. I'm Tavis Killian, here to bring you another episode of Monday Madness on June 14th, 2021. We got lots to get into, and I know you didn't come here to hear me thank you for your patronage. You came here to learn all about the current trends and numbers within oil and gas, so let's get into it. Well, I suppose we have just one more note to make before we do get into it. You may have heard me already, but we want to engage directly with you. That's right, you, listening to this podcast. Leave a review and shoot us an email concerning something you heard in an episode or maybe a segment that you would like to hear. We'd love to feature your ideas in a future episode, and your email just might enter you into a little giveaway for some Rare Petro swag. Be sure to email me by shooting a quick note to podcast at rarepetro.com. Again, we do this show for you, and we definitely value your input. To kick off our statistics, you know we have to look at WTI prices, and oh boy, what a week it was. Last Monday started trading around $69 a barrel, and once we hit Tuesday, that price climbed to about $70, only to dip once more on Wednesday, before again climbing and staying in the neighborhood of a high $70 barrel. Once trading started Sunday evening, it climbed even more to break the $71 mark, and has remained there so far this morning. As I record this podcast, the price is about $71.47. You've heard me the past couple of weeks, folks. It's only a matter of time until we break 70 and remain above. While it is entirely possible we could plunge right back into $69 a barrel by the middle of the day today, I don't anticipate us spending too much time there. At this point, we have more factors applying upward pressure than downwards. Demand is improving. Inflation is shrinking the distance the dollar will travel. Energy investment in oil is lacking and reserves are depleting. New policies create an emphasis on the utilization of low-emission, high-cost energy. I'm not the only one here at Rare Petro seeing it. Our whole team has been talking and writing about it for quite some time now. Estimates for the end of last year scoffed at a $65 barrel of oil by about now. Even a $60 barrel of oil, but here we are testing that $70 ceiling for two weeks only to break through. My only question at this point is where the next resistance will be and whether or not we can make it through. I mean, at this point, I feel confident we could see $75 oil by the end of July, but I don't know how much higher it will go. Pretty incredible to think that this time last year, oil was worth $37.12. Wait, uh, let me look back at my phone for a second. I have texts dating back to November 25th to another petroleum engineer colleague where I simply text $45 exclamation point. Seems like it was so long ago, so let's not only be celebratory of these prices, but thankful and mindful as well. Next up, the rig count. I mean, after last week's report of negative one rig, we need some good news. Fortunately, this week brings the total up five rigs, leaving us with 180 more two rigs than we had a year ago at a total of 461 rigs. It should come as no surprise that the Permian tacked another four onto their gargantuan total of 236. On the other hand, the Haynesville has seen more and more activity in recent weeks, and it was also able to add one more rig to bring its total to 49. Unfortunately, the Utica took a heavy hit this week, losing two rigs, dropping its total to eight. From a state-by-state -state basis, Wyoming was able to almost double their rig total, bringing it from 4 to 7. Ohio and Pennsylvania lost three rigs together, and Alaska lost one of its four drilling rigs as well. More and more effort seems to be going to the Permian, as Texas and New Mexico bolster their rig counts, while other states seem to falter. We did see the addition of a vertical rig, however, with another five horizontal. 
Overall, a great rig count for those involved in the Permian or looking at the U.S. from a macro level. Heavy hits to our friends in the Marcellus in Alaska, so hang in there. Lastly, I'd like to talk about inventories. If you missed last week's Thirsty Thursday, well then, one, I feel bad for you because it was a whole lot of fun, and two, we saw some really nice drawdowns. You can find that old report on rarepetro.com, and we plan to be releasing those pretty much every week from now on, so be sure to subscribe. Starting with the API report released on June 8th, we see they predicted a 3.5 million barrel drawdown. While they did observe a drawdown, it was about 1.5 million barrels less than they had anticipated at around 2 million barrels. So the EIA, on the other hand, released their report a day later and did the complete opposite. They predicted a 2 million barrel drawdown, but actually saw more than double at a 5.2 million barrel drawdown. While the API's numbers may have differed a little bit, this is even a little bit larger than the drawdown we saw last report. This is sure to apply additional upwards pressure. We can't neglect the fact that we built more into our gasoline inventories. So last week's report saw a small increase, but this week we see added another 7 million barrels to those gasoline inventories. This pulled the weekly total up sharply and keeps it healthily in that five-year range. Despite adding even more gasoline to our inventories, headlines continue to highlight the record-breaking prices all over the nation. This is likely a result of increased summer travel, and after a year of hunkering down inside, it seems like everybody is ready to hit the road. Even some national parks are requiring you to make a reservation through the summer. Thanks to this uptick in travel and gasoline being an inelastic good, prices at the pump will remain even higher than they were last week despite the build. While not as drastic, both propane and distillates saw a build of 5.5 million barrels as well. Even though these builds are significant, it only pulls closer to the five-year average. So overall, a great report. High WTI price, check. Increased rig count, check. Decreased crude inventories, big double check from the API and EIA. Again, keep an eye on that oil price as I see big things happening in the next couple of weeks and there's no telling where we stop. Now for our stories. First, be on the lookout for the results of the U.S.-Russia summit in Geneva. I have no doubt energy will come into this conversation, even though the agenda has not been released, but Russia recently put the United States at the top of its unfriendly countries list in a nationally broadcasted presentation, so you may want to have some popcorn ready. Our first story of the day involves Shell, who was recently in the news for having a Dutch court rule that their efforts towards the energy transition were simply not enough. The ruling is forcing them to lower their carbon impact. How do they plan to do this? Well, rumor has it that their 260,000 acres in the Permian may just go up for sale. This is 6% of Shell's total oil and gas production from 2020 and could net them as much as $10 billion when sold. So why are they making such a drastic and seemingly desperate sale? Well, the ruling of the judge also included that they need to reduce their emissions generated by suppliers and buyers of Shell's products. This means that Shell's most effective way at accelerating emissions reduction is to sell assets that would produce more emissions the whole way through their value chain. So, while it may have been difficult to profit from this basin in 2020, there's no doubt in my mind that Shell has made a decent amount of money off of this acreage in the past, so it is truly a shame to see the company let it go. It is also likely that Shell is trying to take advantage of the red-hot consolidation trend and sell the acreage to people who are swallowing up a greater and greater position. 260 million acres is a significant amount of land to add to any one portfolio. I'm happy that Shell is continuing to evolve as a company, but I'm not happy to see their hand forced by the court. As we've mentioned on this podcast before, all energy is good energy, it just comes down to the trade-offs. 
Unfortunately, the largest metric to judge an energy source today directly contradicts the continued use of fossil fuels. That's right, I'm talking emissions. While a good benchmark for judging environmental impact and maybe your carbon footprint, it should not be the sole benchmark used. The silver lining of this story is that, again, forces underinvestment in oil and gas projects and makes energy that is much more expensive. While bad for your neighbor, this is good for those wishing to remain in the industry, like you and myself. This is likely not the last we've seen of courts interfering with energy production, so only time will tell what super major is getting slapped next. While we are on the topic of the Dutch, we may as well swing over to the Netherlands where local courts are unlikely to interfere for now. Even though Norway continues to invest heavily in hydrogen and offshore wind, the recently presented energy strategy actually outlines a role for hydrocarbons. The government has developed a plan that they feel will naturally allow oil and gas extraction to fall 65% by 2050. As the Minister of Petroleum and Energy put it, quote, we will facilitate a future-oriented Norwegian oil and gas industry capable of delivering production with low emissions within the framework of our climate policy. Even other arms of their own government have recognized that if they seize production, Russia or the Middle East would likely pick up the slack and profit. They aim to hit the market precisely so that they are not left with stranded assets that could have been profitable. And I think this idea is genius. From the outside looking in, they're making a calculated yet environmentally conscious play. Not only that, it also affords them the ability to ramp up production should the world sentiment shift in a few decades. This would be a far superior strategy to phasing out producing assets and technology if one was long on oil. Still, this decision hasn't pleased everyone, and the Labour Party, their opposing party, is still in strong opposition to the plan as government documents fail to highlight just how this plan will be in line with the Paris Climate Accord temperature goals. Who knows? Perhaps another lawsuit is on the horizon, or maybe it even lurks beneath the North Sea, waiting to rule on the fate of countries and governments in the area. But ladies and gentlemen, that is all I have for you today. Lots of geopolitical things to consider, and at the end of the day, most of what we talked about should continue to provide upward pressure on oil prices. Again, be sure to email me pretty much anything at P-O-D-C-A-S-T podcast at rarepetro.com to be entered into a little giveaway and potentially have your ideas featured in one of the shows. Outside of that, be sure to subscribe and head to rarepetro.com for more educational and entertaining information. Just reading through a periodical or two will give you a strong handle on the markets or other current trends. So what are you waiting for? It's time to learn so we can get that cutting edge on the competition. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, <laughs> take care, everybody.